The Voice isn't just for people, it's for organizations too. More on that on this week's episode of the Media Bar Report Podcast. Back again, 248 episodes in. We got two very legitimate podcasters here. That's what we have for you this week. So legitimate, Ryan doesn't even jump. Oh, in. did you want me to back that up? Did you want me to back that up? Because oh, all right. Oh no, I can lie. That's fine. Yeah, no, no. I, I just thought you were gonna say you were kidding or something like that. No, no, no it's fine. Yeah, uh, yeah, man, very legitimate. Super, super, super duper legitimate. Look, the people I that, that I sold that. The people that are new here don't know any better, and the people that have stayed here since you know before last week. They're just part of the cult, so they're not going to leave. Uh, hey, buddy, if you're new here, you already know. <laughs> it, we can't hold that very long. Come on now. Look, it's a show that we've said in the past is the most esoteric show. I'd like to believe we're the most introspective independent league show. And we're also the show that understands how player transaction fees work, which could be changing now that the... Atlantic League is done with their partnership. I mean, shouldn't be, but we'll see. Um, well, yeah, um, man, that was crazy news. I mean, yeah, look, it's not officially news because no one's actually announced it, except for the fact that I've heard it from multiple sources. So I think that's good enough here. I mean, we're kind of news adjacent, right? I mean, I'm fully confident that this is happening. Yeah, I, I don't doubt it at all. Um. Yeah, this the number of sources who have spoken to me about this and who the sources are. I'm like, oh, okay, that's happening. Got it. Um, yeah. So it sounds like the Atlantic League and the uh, Major League Baseball have chosen not to extend their partnership uh, now the contract's up. So that is oddly something that we just spent a pretty good amount of time on the last episode, man. Yeah, I mean, we've just discussed the whole thing about how you know what do you actually get for being a partner league and how the general consensus was. Nobody really knows to jack shit. So it is kind of uh, fitting on the timing here. I'm going to assume this is the whole partnership thing and not just the rules partnership. Yeah, it would seem so. Because I know there, I've gotten confirmation that there that does extend to the rules. So there's going to be no experimental rules in the Atlantic League at this point. Um, but as well, uh, it's also going to affect the data uh, from baseball savant, so MLB is not going to be hosting that uh, the statistics and data for them anymore, um, which is kind of a bummer. But it, that would indicate that yeah, this is a bigger thing than just the rules uh, deal that they seem to have. So yeah, yeah I guess that it, it is all a wrap. See, now I wonder if that's just an Atlantic League thing, or that's going to wind up being the other four leagues thing because isn't the Pioneer Lake wrapping up on their money that they're getting them are getting from? Uh, MLB, essentially their alimony checks done. I mean, doesn't it feel like Pioneer League would probably go their separate ways as well? Um, yeah, with the I Oakland mean, thing. We, we can tell there's no strong feelings, and then Oakland <laughs> happening kind of drew a line there, I think, where yeah. it's pretty pretty evident that they have differences of opinion and they, they aren't too affectionate for MLB and what MLB thinks. Yeah, so that handles them. Which then just leaves our two uh, Heartland Leagues in the Frontier League and the American Association, which, quite frankly, I could see that being wrapped up too. We know the Frontier League wrapped, or not wrapped, they slashed the uh, the salary cap or cut down the player salary end. So that's them. And then as far as the American Association goes, I don't think they really care either way, to be honest. like They seem like they're doing their own thing and they're fine doing it. Plus, they got enough partnerships yeah. for everything under the sun where I don't think it's... Like, I'm not going to say having that money or having that resource there to back you up isn't going to be helpful. Obviously, it would be. But out of all the leagues, they seem to be the least concerned financially-wise. If for no other reason, then they have a lot of partnerships. They have a lot of different income streams, it would appear to be. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to get through. Yeah. I guess for... The frontier is a little more complicated. I would say the Atlanta, the American Association is probably a little more comfortable moving on. Mm. Um, I mean, they always seemed a little bit 
critical, even if they didn't come out and say it, of the partnership that Atlantic Lee had, you know, immediately taking shots about how, you know, we played a win, which was always sort of the underhand at the Atlantic League and doing the experimental rules thing. Um, so I, I don't think they're overly into it. And, yeah. and it did feel like... Plus, they were promoting the baseball as you know it thing, too, where you come to the ballpark, the rules aren't different. It's the same baseball you grew up with. Right. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if I, I recall, the Pioneer Frontier and American pretty much all started their partnership with the American Association at the same time or around the same time. Yeah. And it was always at least my impression that, and this isn't, I don't have hard details on it, but I, it was always my impression that those partnerships were looser than the Amer- the Atlantic League one, which is why the Atlantic League had all of the experimental rules. And it seemed to be just a far more in-depth thing. Now, admittedly, all that to say, that still splits my thought process on, you know, whether the other leagues will follow the Atlantic League's path here out of this, out of these deals, because while, yeah, they already seem less connected than the Atlantic League was, it also might mean there's less, you know, required investment or less sort of tie-in mm. uh, for those teams. So, you know, it might not be asking as much of them. So they, you know, it might be more like, well, why would we leave? It's not really any any work for us. Um, so I don't know. That depends on the specifics. I would, my prediction is, I think they all do go their separate ways. I think MLB is starting to not see Vevet. My my big theory, okay, let's do this. I think I've talked about this on the pod once before, but we'll talk about it. All right. Um, my theory was the big benefit to getting everybody on uh, in a partnership. Was part of one baseball, if you would. Gave a, in part of one baseball, if you would, hashtag one baseball, <laughs> was because it gave leverage to Major League Baseball in some way. Uh, it, by being a partnership, you can't just go rogue and do your own thing. So you would assume whether it's just outright leverage or whether it's just, you know, uh, hey, we do things together type of deal between the leagues and MLB that, you know, it gave them some sort of impact. And my theory has always really been that it had something to do with that, uh, this, uh, the, the contract negotiations last year uh, mm-hmm. between the players union and the league, because this is the one that smacked me in the face while I was working in Lexington was, well, I guess it was two years ago now. Wow, wow. Time yeah, flies. time sure but, flies when you have um, fun. Oh, Lord. Um, anyway, when I was in Lexington that offseason, that was when the lockout was happening. And the thought process immediately was, I mean, we had PJ, we had Brandon Phillips, we had a lot of guys who knew major leaguers, we had good ties straight into major league teams. So the thought was, hey, let's, let's sign some of these guys. If, if it is a strike, it's you really can't, legally it's more of a headache if you want to it's hard to cross the picket line when you have a partnership agreement or at least a adjacent running agreement with the org you're striking against it's almost like working for a subsidiary of it see i don't even think it was that far because i would say they might have thought of it that way they might not have however uh, when we were looking into getting some contracts done with major leaguers if they were still locked out because that was well within like you can't lock an employee out from working and then say they can't work elsewhere. Like that's just common sense. That's, that's how the law works. Um, if McDonald's, if McDonald's and their cashiers are in a contract negotiation and they say you can't come to work now, but it's a lockout until we get this thing handled. Also, you can't go be a cashier at Bed Bath and Beyond. Well, I guess no one can anymore. RIP Bed Bath and Beyond, but now they're coming um, back. That's crazy. Like you can't, that's not how things work. Um, so imagine my surprise when I started working this process, we started like putting together how we want to make the contracts work, how we structure this. And I was told that, uh, the league was informed by, um, major league baseball that they are not allowed to, it's a, like a legal, it is, it's no, sorry, not like legal it is, it is illegal to be signing these players. And I sat there and I was like, that doesn't check out because Brandon Phillips was friends with Tony Clark, head of the player association. Yeah. And we had emails confirming that it was straight up legal. And we're talking like, like across the board to offer contracts, these players. So that was when it started to click with me. Like, 
maybe this was all just a leverage play because if you're MLB, what looks terrible is locking players out saying you can't come to work. Already people were not taking the league side like they have in past negotiations. And then if all of a sudden those players are showing up making next to no money, playing indie ball across the country for the love of the game, boy, does that hurt MLB and they're negotiating. Uh, so that is my theory of the case on that one. So all that to say, uh, no, I don't trust MLB. I think MLB got what they wanted and they don't see any more benefit to this quote one baseball situation. And they're happy to say, all right, contracts up and they are good to go their separate ways. See, I'm sorry. That was a bit of a long winded way to go about it, but I do think it's important to not just be like, I think they wanted to control that negotiation and not back it up with at least some sort of evidence there. See, and I was on the same like wavelength on the sense of, I do think it's from MLB's side. They want to pull back from it. I don't, like you said, you see if they've gotten what they wanted to, or they just haven't seen any sort of return that they were looking for. I almost wonder if they were looking to use this in a sense of, okay, we just want to help it soften our PR look of it. So when they were cutting all those teams, it's better if they're they're not going to indie ball, they're going to partner ball. It's a fancy way of saying they're getting thrown in the trash, but you know, it looks better. They're still like you know, kind of sort of cousins to Major League Baseball. And it's like, well, you never wanted to acknowledge the family beforehand, so why are you doing it now? Because, like, I keep coming back to the point of everybody on the player side, everybody on, like, coaching and in the front office, and even league office-wise, I've asked, like, what exactly do you get out of this? Like, the best answer I got, which still isn't a good answer, but the best one I got was, oh, we could use the MLB branding. And I was thinking, like, well, that's... That doesn't really... Yeah, like, this doesn't really seem like you're getting anything out of it. Like, what's that worth? And, like, last week, I think I mentioned how, like, in some markets, in more professional-type markets, like major league markets, like, say, in New York, that probably helps out a bit, but... Like, same point in time, it just doesn't seem like it holds any value. So, it seems like nobody ever knew what they were getting. It almost feels like the the end of Burn After Reading, if you've seen it. Where it's just like, what did we learn out of this? Yeah, I follow. Yeah. Like, what did we learn after all this? And it really is just like, well, I guess we learned not to do it again. It's like, we there was well, no... And, and I really also think it's worth noting that the MLB <laughs> branding thing... This is also, most leagues argue that you don't really push the baseball side of things that much when it comes to sales because only like five-ish percent yeah. of fans actually are there because of specifically the baseball because they're into baseball like that. Um, but then how many of them are into seeing, oh, it's an MLB logo next to it. I recognize that and that makes me think that this is legitimate. I just don't think that was ever as much the case as people would think, especially because I... I think most people actually don't like MLB that much. See, here's the one thing I would say. It's just like that silent majority of people that don't really care either way or have a strong opinion on Major League Baseball, that they would see it and go, well, yeah, of course it's minor league ball, but it looks like it's MLB endorsed. But the only counter I'd have to that is, okay, great, if that's the case, then why wouldn't they just go to see, like, an MILB team? Like, what... Where is the benefit there? Because you'd assume if you're like in, say, South Dakota, if you're going to see a Canaries game, you don't really give a shit if the MLB logo is there or not. You just kind of acknowledge like, okay, same team as always, whatever. But if you're in like one of the markets like Chicago or New York, like I keep pointing out that it may do something for, there's plenty of affiliated minor league teams nearby, right? Like you still have now some. Yeah. So it kind of negates the point. You could just go to Brooklyn. You could go to Somerset. You could go to to uh, Lehigh Valley. You could go to uh, Hudson Valley. There's Hartford also. If you want to go a little bit further, there's Lakewood. There's Reading that isn't terribly far either. There's whatever in Delaware and Maryland. Uh, Wilmington, I guess. Once you start getting to like Delmarva, now you're starting to get a little bit like, well, not a little bit. You're way out of the New York range, but... Even still, and I'm sure the same thing goes for the greater Chicago area. There's probably plenty of teams in northern Illinois to uh, Indiana and Wisconsin that aren't terribly far drives that you could go see and actually see a team's prospects and whatnot. So if you're not going for the baseball, you're not just going for a night out. 
and you're going for like something in between something that's supposedly higher quality then like the MLB shield isn't helping you because the thing you're competing against has the same thing and can market like top 150 prospect you know or whatever it may be so it does feel like even the people that are like oh well, we can use the MLB branding it's like yeah but it's not going to help Who's you for yeah yeah it just it feels like it's just redundant it's not there's no edge that it gives you like unless you're viewing it as we're no longer at this disadvantage but like you just said who's viewing that as that much of a disadvantage like for who is not seeing that or now seeing that rather MLB sign all of a sudden making a difference and besides whenever I seen it the handful of times I seen it it wasn't just an MLB logo it was MLB and then partner league underneath it which I don't know it's it feels like it negates any value it brings in and of itself but eh. yeah and the other explanation which we've talked on before that I've heard was like well you know independent league like what is that and I was like yeah like good luck explain what the MLB partner leagues are yeah <laughs> what are we doing yeah you're explaining so, the same yeah, thing in summary we often get asked what was what's the benefit of a partner league what's that mean what did the teams get out of it honestly we don't know we just have theories like yeah it always seemed very desperate and a little bit sad uh, and like a need, a need to, to be something that, you know, independent baseball is not. And I think it is not, and I've said this many times before, independent baseball is not affiliated baseball. And that's why independent baseball is great. Yeah. It just, it feels like if you were that desperate to make sure that you're serving a certain market, you can do that better without any MLB branding to it. Or if you need that branding to tap into the market, it feels like that's more of a failing on the organization than the market itself properly. At least in my yeah, opinion. that's fair. Yeah. So, <clears throat> it is an interesting decision, though, to cut it now, though, right? Like, you would have assumed like, they could have cut it last year or the year before, even, if they needed to, unless there was, like you said, a labor situation. Yeah, I mean, I do think it was it was now because of the contract. However, I mean, you, we can talk about how far they extend out the contract and why. Mm. You know, I, I'm I think this window of time gave them a very convenient. Um, yeah, it, this was a good period of time for them to do that. Uh, it's banned those negotiations. It's banned a lot of the Oakland drama, if that's relevant at all. Um, yeah. I don't know. Do I trust anything about MLB in this situation? No. Do I really trust much about the ownership and the Indian side either? Also, no. Sorry. So, yeah, yeah, I think this was, this is for the best, I think, for Indian Ball. That's my bold take, and we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> it's going to be fun when we eventually do the Indie Ball ownership ranking. That's going to be where it gets really fun. Oh, yeah. It's inevitable, and it's going to be great. Oh, God. The only other point I really have to add on this. Just to wrap it up, I do agree. I think it is a positive going forward. I thought, like, it being optimistic that, oh, well, maybe, you know, it'll draw on people that weren't as interested in the beginning back when we first started the partnership. Obviously, that really hasn't been the case. Attendance, I think, has roughly been about the same. I don't think it's really moved in any meaningful direction to say, oh, this partnership is directly responsible for it. I think, generally speaking, it hasn't helped all too much in player contract purchases. Maybe in year one, just to kind of be like, hey, look, you know, it's it's working out. Sure, why not? But ultimately, what it comes down to, because I had a couple of players asking about this, like, oh, do you think less contracts are going to get purchased out of the Atlantic League? Or do you think that uh, there's going to be some sort of retribution for it? And honestly, I don't think there's going to be anything. Because, like I said, I think it's from the MLB side's ending and not the Atlantic League side. Um, mm-hmm. Just kind of the sense I get from the way the league operates. I mean, I don't think they really are uh, eager to do their own thing all too often. But <clears throat> more than that, ultimately, I don't think individual baseball teams in MLB care that much. Part of the office of the commissioner and part of the job of the people that work for Major League Baseball and not teams in in Major League Baseball is to do what's in the best interest of the league's brand and of the kind of higher goals so that way each individual team can focus on themselves 
MLB's the big picture people, and they got to corral all the cats in order. That's their job. So if you're going to sit here and tell me, like, oh, the New York Mets or the St. Louis Cardinals or the Minnesota Twins are now all of a sudden going to be like, oh, well, if it's a toss-up between someone in the American Association, someone in the Atlantic League, we got to go American because they're a partner league. I don't buy that for one second. Whatever the price of buying that contract would be a more impactful decision. But if we're being honest, I think in any given week, a major league baseball team spends more money on bats and gloves than they do on buying one indie ball contract. So I don't think the money is the problem here. They're going to go out and they're going to get the guy they think can help better their system and possibly make an impact either in the minor league system or at the major league level. Because if you figure it's a few thousand dollars to buy out a contract, that's basically buying a scratch-off ticket for these teams. And mm-hmm. hey, if you get another, if you win another free ticket, it's like, hey, it's a two-for-one price. If you win 20 bucks on a scratcher, you're like, hey, you know, that's pretty positive. In this case, you know, 20 bucks on a scratcher is you found a dude that could eat innings at like AAA level. And that's that's a useful thing. You found a guy that can relieve pressure on arms that you plan on developing. And sometimes you hit it big on a scratcher. Sometimes you win a couple hundred thousand dollars and that's a major league guy you got for a little bit. And it cost you like whatever it was to develop the dude. And what, like 10K, 15K? Like, that's nothing. Yeah, he might jump up to, like, almost a, like close to 100K if you make the majors within a couple of years, depending on the league. But at that point, if you're that valuable, they do not care about that. Exactly. It's negligible. And the price of acquiring the player is still, like, again, what is it, about 15K, roughly? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, again, for $15,000, that's, like, next to nothing for these clubs. Again, it's like what you spend in bats for the week. It's not a big deal. So I don't really think yeah, it's going to be mean, something like that. I don't think it's going to be a big deal. Um, my, point. my philosophy has always been if they're going through the effort and the investment just to locate you and find you from a staff perspective and look into you as an actual player like I test, um, they're not going to be deterred by the you know the the amount it is to purchase the contract for the most part i'm sure there's i'm sure there's exceptions but that's not the number one issue facing indie ball guys getting signed yeah like always like to put it like this look at the price of contracts being paid to like middle relievers and then the price (laughs) that they're willing to just eat if a dude's like all right he has a seven era we just got to get rid of him like and how much money they're willing to eat Look at like trades where it's just straight up. We got to get this dude off the books. We just need him off of the team to free up this roster spot and how much money they're willing to throw away on that. Right? So if you're willing to just throw away several millions of dollars, just because we'd rather give up the money than have you here eating a roster spot. I don't know about you, but I view $5 million down the drain for a roster spot to be a lot more consequential than like, the overall cost of like 150, 200k to develop a player from buying an indie ball all the way to the show. So, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, I, that's just what my point is to players here. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't say that that should be your decision as to whether or not you should sign in the Atlantic League. I think what's far more impactful of a decision is which league do you think you'll put yourself in a better spot to succeed in? Which org do you think? you have a better chance of doing well in and putting up numbers in and doing the things you have to do to get signed. Whichever league you think that is, American or Atlantic, go to that one. Obviously, if you're a Frontier League or Pioneer League player, there's a different set of rules that apply there. Although I suppose some Frontier League guys could probably jump up. I'm curious to see guys that go from like Pioneer to Atlantic. That's kind of never a good decision. But... Yeah, I should say it's seldom ever a good. Yeah, it's fair. It's yeah. yeah, I think you picked the right words on that one. Yeah, it's 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 different for each league. But the point is, when you get to a certain level, it's kind of negligible. They're gonna buy from whomever. They're gonna look for the same guy. So just be the guy that they're looking for. Yeah, that's basically what I got to. Um, it doesn't really. It is funny that we just discussed something very similar last week and sort of the big picture of this. I think getting away from that only partnership. And now I will say this, it only benefits you to get out of that partnership. If you 
are wise enough to have a good strategy to properly brand and develop your brand as an independent league and to make the most of that independence, which I think I also lack some confidence that that's capable of happening, but we shall see. They at least have the opportunity now. True. That's the, that's the thing here. If you want to make the most of it now, you can, but your success and failure is even more so on you. But I guess that's always been the case here because again, what did the partnership really provide to you? Exactly. Yep. So, uh, that being said, moving on, we'll go to some other news. News that I kind of went at the chowder heads a bit about because they announced this the day after we recorded. They have a manager. Jared Edmondson is now the new manager or the first manager of the New England Chowderheads, head coach at St. Amsel College, 2020 to 2023. Prior to that, assistant coach at UMass Lowell, 16 to 19, and assistant coach at Framingham State from 13 to 14. Prior to even that, though, he was a player in the Can-Am League from 07 to 14. Uh, solid Can-Am League player, by the way. Uh, second all-time in hits and runs scored. The, tied for the most doubles all-time in the Can-Am League. Third most all-time in RBIs. And fifth in stolen bases as well. So as a player, pretty solid player. But a dude that definitely lacks some experience on the professional level managing. But overall, I, uh, I'm i interested to see how this turns out because he does kind of know indie ball a bit. Granted, it's much different than it was in 2014, but mm-hmm. he does have coaching experience. He has experience with, uh, with playing pro ball, so maybe you can meld those two. I think I would love this hire a lot more if it was on the Pioneer League side. I think he'd be the perfect guy for yes. that. A dude that you know, works with D2, D3 guys, I guess with UMass Little D1, but... Works with younger guys is more or less the point and has experience playing in the Can-Am League, which I feel like is kind of like better than the Pioneer, maybe not quite as good as the Frontier. So he could, really could have worked well with those Pioneer League guys. But uh, Frontier League, I feel like he definitely could jump up and be a somebody. But uh, this is definitely one of those ones where I really need to see results before I can have a hard opinion on it one way or the other. Yeah, Um I don't know. I guess, yeah, results, even just signs of potential results. Mm. Um, I I worry about any sort of first time indie ball manager, um, even with the playing experience in indie ball. So at least they're aware of kind of what they're setting up for. Um, I especially worry about it when it's going to an organization that has not had an indie ball manager or indie ball team before. Um, And this is a new organization. So, (laughs) you know, it's, Playing with fire. I think we see a lot of new teams do this. I think it's hard to draw uh, an experienced manager to a new team. And I think it's because a lot of experienced managers know that a lot of time you want to avoid that situation. Yeah. Um, I'm encouraged by in the fact that they thought it was also notable to uh, reference that when he was uh, at UMass Lowell, he was handling um, scheduling and planning practices and training team meals scouting reports recruitment and fundraising that all is a good sign because he's gonna have a lot on his plate with any ball manager yeah. um it's actually funny i was uh, watching a peter moylan clip a little bit ago uh probably last week and he was talking he was on john boy talking about uh <laughs> what was it because he, he coached the australian national team okay uh, world baseball classic i think okay um or maybe it was for no it was for another tournament i think but he's typically the pitching coach and next tournament that they're doing he's going to be the pitching coach again and they were like oh you're not managing and he was like nah man like it was just a lot of dealing with like housing issues and things like that and i was like yeah man (laughs) that's familiar uh so it is definitely a shared experience so having somebody who at least has dealt with who is getting into this understanding that a lot of his responsibilities are going to be not only away from the field, but away from the clubhouse. I, I think that's a positive choice. Lack of experience does make me anxious, but everyone's inexperienced until they're experienced. So we'll, we'll take it as at least a, a good sign that he's not just straight from playing. He has done coaching. He has, you know, done uh, worked in a role where he was more like the operation side as well. So uh, it's not. Of the guys with no pro managing experience, I think this is probably one of the better ones you could get. Is that fair, do you think? I definitely think so, which apparently I forgot about this, but I want to see if you remember. He spent one weekend in May 
back in 2021 playing for High Point? Ooh, no, I don't remember that. I did see on the baseball reference, but I do not actually remember it happening. Yeah. And I, the only connection I can make here from the baseball references, he played for Jamie the last two years in Rockland. So I get the sense that it was one of those like, hey, dude, I'm short a dude. Are you nearby and can you help me out? That does track, especially for Jamie. <laughs> yeah. Any case, any other thoughts on uh, New England's manager situation after we just went on a 20-minute detour? Good Lord. Uh, no, we need to move along. <laughs> okay, very good. Jesus. So, in other more important news, I got eliminated from fantasy football, which I know is definitely the next thing and not the Pioneer League schedules. Classic. Exactly. Um, it was a rough year. So, Pioneer League, more important. Uh, unnamed California team and... Uh, Oakland seem to be playing each other an awful lot, which I think is exactly as we all expected. And uh, yes. it appears as though we're doing full-on just six-game stretches to help out with the scheduling here, to help out with, you know, everyone's travel a bit. And honestly, that's probably the best way to go. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think we agree we don't love it, but we also understand it. Um, yeah, the sacrifice has got to get made here. It takes. It also reinforces like this is not a long-term solution. No. But we'll say they are playing California, the other California team, hmm. slightly less than I would have expected. I mean, they are playing them a lot. One to six. I'm about to take this back. 12, 18, <laughs> 24, 30 times. They have 30 times in like a 90-something game season. So never mind. But um, they really just what, they play them 18 times in July. Yikes. Um, Wait, what? Well, but oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's quite literally a nine game trip okay nine there they play 12 games against them on the road and then another six of them at home yeah that's it's well i think the the situation they have is they don't have they can just stay it's just a bus ride like they don't have to pay for hotels or anything I just so yeah i could see that move um yeah i mean just, sure yeah uh, i just want to check real quick what's the travel time between oakland and sacramento being that we don't know where that other team's going to be outside of, you know, Sacramento area. So let's just call it Sacramento for the sake of it. Uh, Yeah, hour and 20 minutes. So that's not... All right, I'm just checking. So there's two teams that are not playing, which is interesting. Um, Not playing Billings, not playing Missoula. Yeah. They are playing uh, Sacramento, the Northern California team, whatever. They're playing... Uh, Glacier, they're playing Rocky Mountain, Boise, NoCo, uh, Great Falls, and Idaho Falls. So, playing most of the league. Would love it if they played everyone, but even last year, a team from playing everybody in the league because it's such yeah. an odd travel schedule. So, yeah, so I don't hate it. I mean, I think it's about what we expected. Mm. I'm not going to overreact to it. It's just, you know, it, it, if we run into a second year of them playing each other 30 times, it might start to be like, okay. But, yeah. Um, like, see, here's the thing. I, now I think we're on that roll. I'm point. I'm kind of cool with them. You know, playing them more often than other teams. I understand it's kind of a necessity here, financially speaking, because everybody else. Sure. I mean, like, you know, a lot of flying, and you're also expecting a much bigger toll on the other teams as well to have to fly out there. Because I gotta assume there's no way that a team like say uh, it looks like Rocky Mountains going out there a lot. Um. I don't think it's really fair to expect like Rocky Mountain or NoCo. I'm seeing a lot there to have to bus out there. I think that's a little crazy. So to make them fly out there well, several times, it's not really fair. Yeah, really, it goes back to a conversation we had last week about you need to expand more on the West Coast sooner than later, which is a very dangerous right. thing to do um, when you don't know how this California expansion is going to go. So you don't really want to start putting eggs in that basket until you have results. But the longer you wait, the more you can damage the results. So it's you wind up in a chicken or the egg situation, yes. really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Be honest, I'm struggling to find. I'm just trying to grab someone else's schedule. So I'm interested to see what the distribution looks like. The weird one I'm thinking is we haven't gotten any. And have we seen? Maybe I've overlooked it. An announcement about what the the standing the uh, divisions are going to look like. I didn't see divisions, but they are using the first and second half system again. For those that are wanting, first half yeah. ends on uh, the 14th of June. For those keeping track at home, season starts May 21st, by the way, ends on 
the 8th of September. Playoffs start September 10th. Uh, I know Missoula, but there's a, I don't think everyone has like formally like promoted their schedule yet, which kind of sucks. But yeah. still. Um, I mean, I'm looking at Boise right now. Okay, looking at Missoula. So Boise's myself. got Grand Junction, Billings. See, here's the thing. I want to flame them more for playing like one team all that often, but like Great Falls plays them a lot, plays Missoula a lot. I have in June they play them three, I mean, I think seven. Missoula and Billings, I feel like, play each other 25 times plus last season. It, that's very possible. Maybe that wasn't the exact combo, but I remember seeing that there that was happening. So this isn't like. This is not an overly unusual Pioneer League schedule, as funny as it sounds. Yeah, it's like 21. Hold on. Let me make sure I got my numbers right. I want to say before I announce the amount of times I played Great Falls. Uh, 36, 12, 16, 18, 20, 24, 27 times I have uh, them playing Great Falls. I'm doing a little math. Who did you just do the math on? Missoula. Missoula and Great Falls. Okay, cool. Which in just actually in. they play Great Falls at least once a week the entire month of August. And all but one week in June. Actually, they play them once a week every week from the last week in July through the first week in September. That's great. Yeah, well, it's actually kind of crazy. I just noticed when you look at Missoula's August schedule, every game yeah. is either against Great Falls or Glacier. Huh. Every That's one. That's a weird one. Yeah. That's huh. weird. Like every other month has at oh, least wow, three yeah. teams, four teams in there. Yeah. It's Montana month. Though August to Montana does probably feel like the best time to be playing ball up there. I'm about to expose my ignorance. Great Falls is in. Montana? Yeah. I thought it was Idaho. Oh, they're all the same. No, you're, it's Montana, my guy. It's okay. It's all right. Hey, man. It's not. They're all the same. Not you. Not you. It's fine. Where on the map is... Can I go ahead and bail myself out with a thing that's totally not what I was thinking, but will work in my favor? And they have an international airport. If they're going to say flying to Canada makes them international, then, I mean, like... That's um, a stretch. Damn. I mean, it's like Missoula only plays six other teams in the league. That's weird. So they play six weird. others. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. Same thing with Oakland. Is that just a thing this year and we haven't realized it till right now? No. No, I've not seen that on anybody else's schedule. Hold on, let me check no code. I mean, I'm looking at uh, Boise right now. They play. Well, let me see here. They play. Oh, come on now. I just did the math. They play nine different teams. Okay. They don't play no code. They don't play Rocky Mountain. So they play nine out of the eleven teams. One, Missoula two, plays six out of the eleven three, teams. It's weird. Four, Though, I mean, five, if you look at it, I mean, Missoula's. It would make sense that maybe the northernmost teams are also Six. okay. So if Oakland and California are going to play each other more often and play other teams less often, I got it no does co. make sense that there's probably two teams that kind of have a similar situation. Well, going. I have no cohort about six teams. Yeah, that's weird. I mean, I yeah, hold on, I'm going to uh, list them off here and make sure I counted right. Shout to Billings fumbling the bag and putting the wrong Grand Junction team name on there. That happened. Yeah, not good, Billings. Uh, but, uh, yeah, NoCo plays Ogden, Idaho Falls, Billings, Grand Junction. That's four. Oakland makes five. Uh, Rocky Mountain makes six. And that is... Oh, they also have one series against Cal. So, I guess seven... Oh, two series I just saw down there. So, technically seven, but... Uh, very limited for Cal. Hmm. I believe the Cal ones are the home games. I'm doing the math on Billings right now. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out here if these limited teams here are the, uh, are all one division. 
Oh, I wonder. I've got Billings playing at least eight teams, it looks like. Okay. I might have missed something. So it would have, based on who they play most, I don't know. It feels like, so here's where it gets confusing. It feels like Boise would be in the opposite league of Missoula. Am I off? No, I'm at the right number. Of Missoula, NoCo, uh, Oakland, Ogden, Rocky Mountain. They play Idaho Falls. The, the teams they play more, there's six of them. Mm-hmm. But they do, if you take away one of their series, if you say they're traveling out to California or California is traveling to them one extra time just to make the schedule up, yeah. it would seem my guess would be then the schedule. I want to complete this thought here in a second. I want to land this plan. So my guess on what the schedule is, is Boise, Billings, um, uh, Glacier, Grand Junction, uh, Great Falls, Idaho Falls, and then Missoula, NoCo, Oakland, Ogden, Rocky Mountain, Cal, which would feel pretty west, I think. So I guess it's an east-west split now instead of north-south. That may be I honestly, to be fair, this is off of the assumptions from one schedule. So who knows? See, here's the thing what I don't get. You already said we're going to have another team that gets added in. So why not just announce the division now? I don't know. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. I feel like it's not as important. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Their Wikipedia says Northern Division, Southern Division, Pacific West Division. I've, I want to... Which, who knows, that might not be just, accurate. Hold on. I got to go back and read a press release here. Because I feel like that may have been in a press release, and we've just been overlooking that and just making absolute fools of ourselves for a moment. God damn it, it's in the first line of the press release from Oakland. Oh, we're dumb as hell. <laughs> damn it. Literally, the press release opens with, The Pioneer League, presented by Ticketing Smarter Today, announced that in 2024, it will be expanding to Oakland, California, with the launch of the first team, the Oakland Ballers, in its newly planned Pacific West division. How the hell are they going to work that playoff system, do we think? I hate to say it, but is this going to mean that, like, the Pacific West Division is going to be ineligible for the postseason? Because that would be oh, a no, horrific so. division or decision to make. No, I don't think so. But, Joseph, can we take a moment to appreciate that NoCo Stadium is now named after a different ticketing provider? That is kind of amazing. Like, oh, what was it? Oh, let me pull that up. But yeah, like, we overlooked that. I apologize to everyone that was just screaming at their phones for the past 10 minutes going, they already have smarter stadium, brother. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, wait. So now what's it going to be when they get announced? Like, so when we go ahead and have a press release for NoCo, is it going to be like the Northern Colorado Owls who play at Ticket Whatever Stadium? And our members, yeah, ticket socket. Yeah. So it's now like the Northern Colorado Owls who are play home games at Ticket Socket Field and are proud members of the Pioneer League presented by Ticketing Smarter. <laughs> That's going to be rough. Yeah. So let's wrap that up. Any other thoughts on the Pioneer League schedule? Nah, just we're dumb and we need to read better. Reading comprehension is not our strong suit, but remember, folks. We're a very serious podcast. We're something, that's for sure. We're a legitimate podcast. All we have left is, and this is something that I'm cool if we do a deeper dive in, or if it's the kind of thing where we just kind of say nothing much to report on or just go over it quick or whatever, but the whole Kansas City thing, I believe I left that bit in from last week's show where I briefly mentioned if you need to look at MLB's care about partner leagues and minor league baseball in general, it's no further than Kansas City. How they're supposedly in conversation to potentially move the Royal Stadium to 
essentially on top of where the Monarch Stadium is, which would, in essence, drive them out of business. Not sure we have any real thoughts on that whole situation, but I figured it's one to bring up. Yeah, I mean, I, I continue to see movement of a potential plan to do that, but I also continue to hear, like, it's unlikely to happen. And, and so it's one of those things where you're, like, you're probably just posturing for negotiating. I mean, I sure would love it if we weren't toying with people's livelihoods uh, so that we could bully a city into uh, using taxpayer money for a stadium. Uh, but sure, you know, especially for a team that has not shelled out money for their own team in quite a long time. But Ryan, but I, I need guess you that's to think, who we are. I need you to think for a moment about the billionaires. How are they expected to survive this? They need that public they funding. Won't. They won't. That's the goal. Sorry, was that loud? You know, this is going to remind there's not a single billionaire out there that should be alive. Sorry, what? <clears throat> what? This goes back to our six Semper Tyrannus phase. <laughs> Very much so. This uh, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, so let me talk quickly about Kansas City. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. Only thoughts I got is uh, hopefully it doesn't happen. It does seem like it's very much in the air. But if for one second I believe that Royals ownership will save so much as a penny by making this move, it will occur. That's about all I got. I got no faith in MLB to do the morally correct thing and not toy with people's well, lives. Yeah. We just saw that they won't. So we already know this. This was a really big MLB week, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Not very positive. Should probably do another optimistic episode soon. Mm. Give that mm. give that a try. We should probably also mention the fact that like we have an interview with like the next two weeks. Oh, yeah, we are going to have a couple interview pods. Pretty excited about it. <laughs> we probably should promote that, too, shouldn't we? I mean, I guess. I don't know how you usually like to do that. So it's your world and it's living it for now. Oh, well, I normally just announce the one that's going to be up the following week. So. Mm, all right. Well, I'll get out of the way. Yeah, so we got Tyler Peterson coming up. If you're wondering, yeah. who, if you're wondering who he is, so uh, assistant GM, right, in Oakland? This is bad. Yes. I should know this beforehand. But yeah, assistant GM in oh, Oakland. Good. Yep. He's going to be coming on. We're going to talk some Oakland. And uh, it's going to be fun. We have one after that. But um, should we promote that now? Should we wait on that? Hey, man. Your world. Just living it. Promote Jack's interview. There we go. We'll be bringing on Jack Kelly the week after. Uh, he uh, did FL Frontier League Savant. FL Savant. But Frontier League Savant. I always hate that. I always butcher that completely. The, the URL is FL Savant. The website is Frontier League Savant. Um, I think it's sort of a, a uh, accessible baseball savant page for the Frontier League. Uh, he's really good with data. He's been working with uh, Joliet for a little while. Uh, he's out to do his own thing now, but uh, hoping to talk to him a little bit about sort of data and indie ball and sort of how he's gotten into things and the website and whatever else comes up. He's a very interesting guy. I've had the privilege of talking to him back before the last season even started and it's going to be fun to catch up and now that I see kind of what he had cooking up. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. It should be an interesting one. So it'll be fun because I think we got more of like an operations convo um, and logistics convo with the whole Oakland situation. And then the next week, we're going to be sort of in the weeds on some Frontier League stuff and more about like the baseball side of the, you know, data and maybe where the future of like what data is looking like moving forward because there are these big developments on the MLB side constantly, but you like to see it in any ball too. And uh, teasing it, we might have another one coming uh, next month, which will be sort of a little bit of, I think, in between. So I think it's good. I think we've got, got a good little menu coming together for some interviews. So I'm happy about it. Yeah, overall, I think we're going to have a really good slate here. Oh, yeah, by the way, I got two other ones that we need to put on the docket, too, that we got to sort out. Right. I just remembered Without two names. That, like, Yeah. So, like, I got two that I just remembered about. So. Uh, oh, my. That's a good sign. Yeah. Well, uh. I'll mention that to you once we sign off. Well, let's just do the sign off at this point. We're off the rails at this point. Any conversation we'd have, it'd just not be good right now. As though the Kansas City one was solid or positive. So, uh, only other thing I think we got to throw out there and mention, Q&A episode. Going to be end of the month. Get questions in by, say, I don't know, Christmas. There you go. Got a handful in after last week's thing. But, uh, again, got questions, send them in, whatever. 
you want to ask, just ask, and we'll try to find an answer to it. And, uh, yeah. Q&A episode. Get it in. Got one, two, three, four weeks, roughly. There you go. All right, now we can do the sign-off thing. I did my job. Poorly, but I did it nonetheless. Well, I'm just Indie Ball Nation. Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. Um, yeah, I got it. I said last week I have a video ready to come out. I lied. I got distracted completely. So now I have two videos very close to ready to come out. So <laughs> keep an eye out for that. Uh, and maybe I will follow through on one, if not both of them, before starting another video. Though, if I'm honest, I'm not overly optimistic that I'll actually do that. Uh, indie Ball Pod. I am who yeah. I am. <laughs> <laughs> indie Ball Pod on Twitter. Um Indie Ball Report everywhere else. And I just want to point out, because I am on FL Savant at the moment here, and I'm noticing that Reed Hoover called approximately 400 more pitches than any other umpire in the league and managed to come away with an 88.5 on the uh, total pitch accuracy. I don't like to see that my boy Tim here, who despite having the fifth highest number of pitches called, was not exactly killing it on the total pitch accuracy at an 84.8. Not great, but, like, he seems like a chill dude. So, like... I'm willing to overlook it. Agreed. Tim's actually a dude I'd like to have Probably just, you know, probably a system issue. That's actually a dude we should try to get. We should try and get an umpire on. I think that'd be fun. Hey, man, I'd be about it. Yeah, I think there's a lot that could go there. I I especially think we should try to find someone who did the robo. um. Ooh. You know, Mm -hmm. I may have a connection for that. I'd have to dust Let's it go. off, but I may have a connection for... I'm definitely for an umpire. Possibly for uh, for RoboUmp. Let's wrap this up so that way we, I can talk about that. Um, yeah, so... Alright. Indie Ball Report, everywhere else. Rate, review, subscribe. You know, whole deal there. Uh, let's finish the year strong. So that way we can continue doing this. As though we were going to stop, you know, five years. Still haven't learned my lesson when to stop, so never stop stopping until next week don't forget to live all